0: is a bloody disgusting podcast network. Here is a wild headlong flight into terror. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in from Los Angeles, California. Bloody Disgusting presents The Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand
1: and Leone D'Antonio. Hello, I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome to The Boo Crew Podcast, episode 285. This time around, you are joined by two phenomenal actors, the Oscar-nominated and multi-award-winning Rooney Mara and Richard Jenkins. At time of release, their new film Nightmare Alley opens in theaters everywhere December 17th. Take a look inside the magic of this breathtaking journey into cinematic film noir. The world of the 1940s, ballrooms, mind readers, and carnival tents. Get a glimpse of the alchemy at play between director Guillermo del Toro and his cast of wonderful performers. We'll take a stroll through the sets costumes the power of the grotesque and so much more plus Rooney and Richard discuss their horror firsts hurry hurry step right up to episode 285
2: I will ask you simple questions you will answer in short sentences only what you believe to be absolute truth absolute truth I can do that now brief as you can
0: What is your name? Stanton Carlisle. Are you a true medium? Yes, I am.
1: Mr. Carlisle?
0: Doctor, how about that?
1: Please lie down.
0: Can you read minds? Yes, I can, under the right circumstances. Keep your answers brief. What do I want? To be found out, same as everybody else. Are you in contact with the beyond? Well, we've had our share of snake-charmers in the past. We deal with them.
1: You don't fool people, Stan.
2: They fool themselves.
1: I've
0: given you a fortune! It's time that you delivered.
2: When does it end? I wanna know.
0: If you displease the right people... The world closes in on you very, very fast. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim
1: crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Sweet. All right. It's Trevor and Lauren from Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew.
2: Wow. Where are you
1: guys? (laughs) We're actually in a secret passageway in our home. It's a Victorian recording studio that we burrowed through a wall in our house and put a bookcase in you, tilt the book, and come into this studio, and here we are.
2: No way. It's beautiful.
1: <laughs> We're going to begin it with a, with an introduction and we'll get right into it. So joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew here in the Speakeasy studio are two extraordinary people who have wrapped us in so many Unforgettable performances and characters From the 23-time Emmy-winning ER Oscar-winning films *The Social Network The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo Spike Jones Her The BAFTA-winning Trash Steven Soderbergh's Essential Side Effects A Ghost Story So many marvelous adventures This two-time Academy Award-nominated actor Has the power to truly transport us Through her bravery in the face of challenging performances, applying fragility to strength, that makes her one of the most compelling storytellers of our lifetime. Also here with us, a legend of stage and screen for 15 years. He did four plays a year, if you can imagine that. His early work was in absolute classics, including Silverado, The Witches of Eastwick, Little Nikita. He's since gone on to appear in several of the best comedies ever made by visionaries like the Farley Brothers, Action pictures, dramas, the iconic Six Feet Under TV series, impactful fantasy and horror films, the Oscar-winning Shape of Water, Bone Tomahawk, Kong, Skull Island, Cabin in the Woods, most recently The Humans, and countless others. His depth and versatility has earned him two Oscar nominations, a Primetime Emmy, and a Lifetime Achievement Award. Together, their new film Nightmare Alley opens only in theaters December 17th. We are incredibly honored to welcome two of its stars, the remarkable Rooney Mara and Richard Jenkins. Thank you guys so much for being here. <laughs> We got a lot to live up to. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, you guys, thank you both sincerely so much for the time and for your continued wonderful performances that challenge and entertain us. And this film is breathtaking and you are two integral reasons why. So it all starts with this stunning world that Guillermo has created for you to play in. Rooney, do you recall the first scene you shot for the film and how it felt that was unique to the experience of working with Guillermo or just a general sense of what his collaboration with you was like?
2: God, What was the first scene? Um, I think that the first things that I shot, I want to say, was in the dressing room at the Copa. So stuff with Bradley in our dressing room. You know, we shot that part of the film first. I think
1: And the experience of just working with Guillermo, in what ways was that unique to Guillermo?
2: Um, It was so much fun and such a privilege to work with him. Um, He is just such a uh, master of cinema and just his knowledge of, of film is remarkable. And his knowledge of, of the thing that he's, you know, the task at hand, he's so um, prepared. He's been a part of every detail. But he's also we were just talking about this. He has this incredible, unique quality of like knowing exactly what he wants and being so precise, but then also being the most open, collaborative person. Like he's he's willing to throw his entire the thing that he has in his mind away for whatever is right in front of him, if it's the right feeling, you know, if it if it is the thing that he's searching for um and that's a really rare combination to to find you usually kind of have one or the other and he really does inhabit both of those those sides
1: and you get to spend a lot of time in the first act within this incredible traveling circus surrounded by what looks like painstakingly created vintage signs and ephemera, that haunted house that's in there as well. How much of the heavy lifting does that kind of thing, that level of detail do for you in terms of inspiring you towards what became your Molly on screen?
2: Oh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's so much fun to get to go play in the worlds that he creates, but even the, um, even the, the sets that were on a stage were like that. I mean, the carnival was incredible. And it was, you know, you were out like in the elements, in the rain, in the wind, in the cold, in the sun. And it was this like living, breathing character in the film. But this the sets were so incredible that it was just really the same feeling, walking onto any. Any of his sets, there is just, you're walking into a fully realized world. Right.
1: And I'd heard, you know, the sideshow tropes that we've heard about, like the geek, the strong man and whatnot, but this is actually the first time I'd ever seen like an electrified lady. Was that a phenomenon in these things (laughs) that you'd known about?
2: no i i had never heard of i had never heard of that act before <laughs>
1: <laughs> and some of these people like the tap dancing snake man that can't be cgi'd or fake right so they did oh, actually no, that was find, real. yeah that was amazing
2: that he was amazing he was amazing and it was so cold i remember that di- there was one day he was doing that and I, yeah he was so amazing and so it was really um, it was so fun to be around all, all the carnies.
0: I was going to say, I saw a geek, a geek in a a carnival.
2: Really? No way.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm old.
2: (laughs) It's true. What was that like?
0: It was terrifying.
2: Really?
0: It was terrifying. But I was... I come from the Midwest. My father was an only child. He grew up in a town of 400 people. There's nothing to do, and he went to carnivals and fairs, county fairs, and and um, he loved doing that. And so I was an only child. When I he'd take me to every fair in the area in the midwest and uh we were at one and there was a geek and he said come here i want you to see this i said why he said because it's going to be illegal very short and we went in and there was a geek
2: wow it was a guy that's a real yeah it's a
0: real thing and he had a chicken but it was a dead chicken it wasn't alive Mm -hmm. but he started ripping it and eating it and i mean it was like oh my god it was really it was traumatizing it was really really crazy I yeah can
1: only imagine
2: i just wanted to know where you guys had shot the carnival i know you said it was cold we shot everything in and outside of toronto canada in the winter mm-hmm. Ooh.
1: yep yep i'm very familiar oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. and richard this was obviously the second time working with Guillermo for you what do you like about that alchemic reaction between you and him what what parts of yourself do you find rise to the surface when you are around him um you
0: you know as much as you tell yourself you know it's not a you really love you love when Guillermo's happy because all of the work and all of the thought he's put into this and then we all come in as just like the last part of the Recipe, you know, he's got, he's been thinking about this for years and, and you know, he has in his mind what he wants. But at the same time, he's only really ha- happy when there's an accident, <laughs> when, mm-hmm. when something goes in a way that he hadn't thought of. Mm-hmm. That's when he's the happiest. And, uh, uh they, it took me a while to learn that about him. But once you find that out, it's really, it's such fun working for him. You know, he's, he just is the kind of, you know, he's the Pied Piper for actors. I think, he, you
1: know, we follow him anywhere. Um, he's uh, he's pretty incredible. Ezra is such a different character for you. He is terrifying because of, well, a lot of things, really. Some of that we think is in the overwhelming confidence that you play him with. You've imbued him with an aura of... Power, but a dangerous unpredictability because he is a man of limitless potential and he's driven by emotion which makes him unstoppable in your mind how did you consciously build him to achieve where he needed to be and how much fun was that
0: well it was fun it was it was a lot of fun but it you know it was fun for a couple of reasons one was bradley and rooney i got to work with you know, that was really fun. And, and the other fun part of it was to see where he ended up and how he, because I, I didn't know what he was going to be when I started. I, I knew some things about him, but I didn't, I try not to get in my own way. And uh, I, I knew that he loved this woman. I knew that he'd spent his entire life trying to reconnect with her spirit and that was the only thing that was important to him now in this time of his life. So what? What is that? I mean, that that to me was a- an interesting problem and an interesting thing to uh, to go after. But but for that to work, I think you have to believe that that's really important to him. And so I guess that's where I kind of started.
1: I'm curious when you approached that character, did you? Read up to it and including the the scenes in the act when you come in, or do you like not to let any of the other stuff leading up to that that the other characters are going through cloud your perspective
0: or performance? (laughs) I I
2: don't
1: even read.
0: I didn't even read Bradley's lines in in the scene. It was just my line, my line, and some (laughs) other
2: stuff. (laughs)
0: Uh, No, I I I read the script for I well you know it's true I do I go look at the character first sure I don't know if you do that but I I, sometimes I I look at the character and I oh okay and then I go back and I I read the script (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah right um, but you know it's Guillermo so I I think if he'd asked me to do it and and there wasn't a script I would have said yes I don't know it's it's he's he's amazing but but I really did love. Uh, the arc of this guy, the, the yeah,
1: and production was halted at a certain point while filming due to the pandemic. It, it was. was yeah, it was halted during my last scene. Oh, it was oh, yes,
0: I was. I was done. I had it was eleven thirty at <laughs> night, and I was going to be done. And so it was halted, and we went home for nine months and came back and finished the scene. What is that time away? do to your perspective. Well, grindle got about 30 pounds heavier when it came back. No, it
1: wasn't
2: <laughs>
0: but but it was it was actually my beard was a long. COVID 19, <laughs> you got you gained the COVID. I, I, I yes, I gained the COVID-19. Um yeah it was uh it was weird because you never knew when you know it was like I we didn't know if it was going to be three weeks a month
2: yeah i remember the early days being like we're going back i'm yeah, gonna right. go back before I have yeah. the day. Yeah, it's like huh?
0: it just yeah it, 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 we said you know she, rooney had a baby and uh and the baby is now 27 <laughs> i don't know uh, <laughs> it, 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 it just it's it was a long and, and you know i was only in the second half and they shot the second half first before oh, they shot the oh, carnival oh interesting uh, yeah. yeah. And the carnival, we were supposed to shoot the second half in the winter and the carnival in the summer. Well, that didn't work out.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: they, we shot them both in the winter.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, in the
0: yeah. late fall, early yeah. winter. Yeah. And, and Guillermo loves water and he likes cold and he yeah, likes rain machine. He said, because yeah. I'm from Mexico he said and the, and the two things we don't have are rain and cold so he said I love it right.
1: <laughs> yeah I know he had built a rain room in his house at Bleak House and, and I assumed he was just always writing in the rain room because it's either always raining or snowing almost in every single scene of this movie yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, his house is I've never There's a rain room? Oh, he's got what does that mean well it means it's a museum his house is a but museum. like it's
2: raining out like it lo- makes it look like it's raining outside I don't know yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Was, he's, he's got a false wall uh, Wall put in with a window that, that he's recreated a, a rainy day outside where it rains twenty four seven, and that's where he writes. to see that. Yeah, I want wow, one so
0: amazing. bad. Go look at the pictures of his house. Yeah, he
2: he, he had he had are they a, on Google.
1: <laughs> I'm sure they are, but he had, he does a video tour online. You can watch on YouTube. Yeah. Oh
2: my god, yeah. I know what I'm going to be. Doing. He had
1: a During museum break. that they they featured it and
0: it did a tour of the country of some of his stuff that he wow yeah. the boo crew will be right
2: back this is Alfred Hitchcock I would like you to play a little game with me a sort of guessing game please listen what would you say made that sound it might be as literal as a knife tearing through let us say a curtain or as fanciful as suspense tearing through the edge of your nerves or it might be both. Would you like to hear it again? I can't give you the answer. It would spoil the game and your enjoyment of my latest motion picture, Torn Curtain, which stars Paul Newman and Julie Andrews, and that sound you just heard, knife or nerves. Torn Curtain will tear you apart with suspense. Alfred
0: Hitchcock's Torn Curtain in Technicolor, it will tear you apart with suspense.
1: So do you guys keep, get to keep anything from set or did you take anything with you as a memento for this project?
2: There was a bunch of things I had my eye on, and I think I probably could have taken a memento, and I didn't. I wish that I had. I wanted to take one of the horses from the carousel, uh, oh. or I wanted to take Molly's little wagon. Oh. I was like, I'll put that in yeah. the backyard, but I didn't take anything.
1: That the electric chair would look pretty cool in your house, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, I didn't want that. <laughs> it's a good timeout chair. Yeah, but- yeah,
1: good timeout chair for the kids. <laughs> How about you, Richard? What about you? Did you get, get anything? Uh, yeah,
0: I got the polygraph machine, you No, know, I Did didn't it? Take it. <laughs> uh, that thing was beautiful, by the way. Yeah, it is. It's, it's pretty great. Yeah. Um, no, no, I, I, uh, I, I, the clothes mm. that were so beautiful, uh, my coat probably weighed 40 pounds. I don't, it was really heavy and um i would have taken it except it hurt after you wore it for an hour it was my back hurt it was so heavy but beautiful
1: rooney watching uh molly and, and stan in those beautifully orchestrated mentalism shows that you guys get to do mm-hmm. was exhilarating it it felt like we were at the yeah. magic castle watching uh, an actual show we had that same exhilaration what kind of work went into making those scenes feel so real and rewarding in regards to like the choreography or anything that kind of developed. Between I them. wish
2: I could take credit for it, but I think Bradley did most of the work for that because I'm just there as his lovely assistant. Um, but yeah, it was really fun to shoot those scenes. Although it was very smoky. We were in, we were shooting at that, in that Copa room for about a week, I would say with all the extras and all the smoke and I was pregnant then. So I was like, really, no one knew that, but I was really nervous about like being in that smoky room. <laughs> so that was like always in the back of my mind, but it was really fun to watch the scene play out, you know, cause that is what I'm doing for most of it is like, I'm just watching. So it was really fun to watch Bradley do that.
1: That said, getting a chance to step outside of it and sit and watch the completed work this mm-hmm. brilliant sleight of hand that, that you and del Toro has basically have created for us. What were some of the things that stood out to you as a viewer that delighted you? Oh, uh, well, Rooney hasn't seen it. I haven't yet. seen
2: the film yeah. yet. Um, uh,
0: I was every frame. It's like, um, I just noticed, uh, and night to my, my wife said, look, look at, look at it. the, the Jesus sign, the J E. Jesus what does it say? Jesus saves? Jesus uh-huh. saves. Yeah, and, it, and it says, and then it said, Us saves. Uh because like, it was flashing. It was flashing. Yeah, the 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 J.E. I mean, it just one thing after the other. He talked about he talks about stuff and you go, Really? There's no red in the second half, in the first the, no, the second half of the movie, except Rooney's dress, Kate's lipstick, blood.
2: Yeah. Guillermo is like, it,
0: there's no red anywhere else.
2: When you read those reviews that it's like talks about all the, you know, symbolism and yeah. stuff for other movies. And you're like, yeah, that was that person really thinking that like Guillermo, it's it's it all on purpose. <laughs> <Yeah. He's, laughs> that's he, all true. It's he's all got
0: symbolism. You can't even say yeah. you don't even know. I mean, there's nothing that's that isn't he hasn't thought about. Yeah.
1: And it's a, it's that subconscious experience that we get as a viewer. You're just kind of overwhelmed. Your subconscious is overwhelmed with this stuff and it makes the world so rich and you just can't, you can't look away from it.
0: Well, I got lost in the movie and that's what I always ask for. Mm -hmm. Just let me get in the dark when the lights come down and, and, you know, we haven't been in movie theaters in a long time. And uh, my wife saw it with me last night and she just, I could tell she was just gone. It was just, it was there. And she said, I needed this movie so much. Yeah, it's because, you know, my wife and I are older and we love older films. I I love the the craft and the beauty of it. And Guillermo is like watching a master, you know, in Hollywood, make this piece of cinema. It's just for me, it's it's extraordinary to see. Um, Yeah, I was blown away. I've talked to David Strathairn, too. He he had seen it. I had seen it by myself. And he had seen it by by himself. And then we saw it with an audience and it was just totally, totally different experience. Rooney, you had such incredible 1940s dresses. Did you have a favorite one that
1: you got to wear?
2: Oh, God. Well, the costumes. Yeah, the costumes were kind of always they're so beautiful and they were all made, by the way. There was (sighs) actually there was a few things that were actual vintage pieces, but most of it lewis had built and the poor thing he had these beautiful (laughs) costumes built and then a few weeks or a few yeah i guess it was a few weeks or a few months into shooting the first time i had to tell him i was pregnant and so you know he had all these costumes built and i was like sorry and then the film shut down and we had to come back after i'd had the baby and so again he didn't know if he was gonna have to just like remake luckily most everything you know, fit and it was fine, but he wasn't sure if he was going to have to like remake all of these costumes. So that was, it was actually the costumes were re- very stressful uh, for me in that regard. Cause I was always worried if they were going to fit or not. But I think my favorite, it was the, the dress at the Copa the, with the moths on it, the red moths on it, the black dress. I love that one. That one was incredible.
1: What kind of effect do you guys think that, the horrific elements in the story have on elevating the experience of the story, the way that Guillermo introduces the shocking moments of gore and and violence and blood. And when it happens, what do you think that does to an audience? And again, how, how does it elevate the story? Do you find,
0: well, it's the consequence of your actions. It's the, it's the culmination of your life. And it's not pretty, you know, it's the violence is not pretty. It just isn't. And um, Guillermo likes to have an arm going in a different direction and, you know, things like that (laughs) or your nose gone. Um, But but it's uh, Guillermo talks about that. Everybody. Ends up knowing who they are in this movie Mm -hmm. and Bradley, it's the last two minutes of that last scene, Mm -hmm. but I I always thought when he was hitting me Mm -hmm. that there was a realization of who he was. Mm. Uh, because and you saw the result of that yeah you feel you feel yeah. it as a yeah. viewer too
2: actually
0: i look
1: best <laughs> you, I, I do <laughs> now speaking of uh, moments of that nature and films of that nature here at bloody disgusting we do cover a lot of horror films and oh, no. we would love to just <laughs> ask each one of you what your earliest experience with the horror genre was and how that impacted you what do you remember most about that moment um well when
0: i was young there was a there was it was on saturday night it was called shock theaters in chicago wgn and uh they had this host marvin and his sidekick deer he used to like beat up this woman (laughs) it was and they showed frankenstein movies you know, Dracula, The Wolfman, all the old ones. And it was the, the treat. I was 10, 11. My parents used to let me stay up and watch shock theater. And so that I grew up watching all of the classic horror films, uh, except in the middle of them. This guy would come on and talk like this, you know, but he, you know. <laughs> he was, like, was his Dracula. But um, that's and I always loved them, loved them.
2: Oh, so I cannot watch horror movies anymore. Like, I I don't like them. I can't watch them. I I really do just do not have the stomach for, especially if it's like um, at all religion based, like anything about possession. I cannot watch. Like it because I grew up Catholic. So it's just like it's true. It's true. (laughs) I'm so afraid of that. Um, But when I was younger, when I was like, I would say 12, I went through a phase with my best friend, Sarah. And we it's all we did was I watched every horror movie for a few years, like all of them. But I would say my favorite horror movie when I was really little growing up was The Bad Seed. I love The Bad Seed. Oh, my gosh. It is so good. Oh, I would have loved to see the play. The one movie I saw, I think I was I, I was at a sleepover party and like the friend's house that I was at, the, her older sister was also having a sleepover party and they were watching a scary movie that I was way too young for. And I like we snuck down and watched a little bit of it and it really scarred me for life. Like, I can't even think about it now, but it was I think it was really campy. It was called like it's called like sleepaway camp or summer camp.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think it's like a series. There's a bunch of them
1: probably camp. And she camp, was like yeah.
2: shoving one of the, the camp kids, like down the, this toilet, down the like <laughs> toilet. And I was just like uh, scarred uh, for life. Well, so.
0: you know, um, for me again, as we're talking about, I think the first five minutes of the movie them is uh, when they find that trailer and it's, I think it's just terrifying. James Whitmore is so good in it, and they're going through that trailer. You don't know what caused this, and there's just wind and the in the desert and the sound of these. Oh, I, it's, it's brilliant! That first five minutes. I mean, the m- movie's good, but that that's a great scene. Mm-hmm. It's certainly, and is. they find, find that little girl that is a little girl, little boy that uh, is like in shock. Have you seen them? Yeah, 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 yeah. Classic. I mean, you would, you, you would They've have seen, seen everything. <laughs> We've
2: seen um, a lot. Our I, I, I haven't seen. Yeah, I don't know.
0: But it was, it was them a talkie? I don't even remember. And the Killer Shrews I watched the other day. The Killer Shrews? No, no. Oh, it's the worst. But they have dogs that they put, like, stuff on them. And they're, you know, trying to... Oh, it's the worst movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really 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 awful
1: <laughs> in addition to this film you've both got exciting projects coming out in the near future uh, rooney what are you working on now that where we can find you next
2: do i know yeah i just made a film this last summer back in canada back in toronto mm-hmm. with um the wonderful sarah polly a, a book adaptation called women talking and um yeah it was a beautiful
0: experience um, well, I have a movie that's out now called The Humans mm-hmm. that um, just got released in November, and then next year I'm in a Ryan Murphy miniseries on Netflix called Monster about Jeffrey Dahmer.
1: Ooh. Whoa! And who do you play? A, a real character in Jeffrey's life? I play his father. Yeah, I play his father. Wow! Heavy. <laughs> It's really interesting. Um, it's it's ten
0: episodes, and it's it really gets into not just Jeffrey Dahmer, but the victims, their families, his parents. You know how this affected a lot of people, and um, it was really interesting. A kid named Evan Peters, wonderful actor, plays mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer. He's really good.
1: It's terrific. Well, we can't wait for that. Yeah, Ryan Murphy is another one of those visionaries that we we love his work too. Well, you guys, listen, thank you both so much for your time. Congratulations once again on an amazing piece of work in both of your vast and inspiring catalogs. And yeah, we just love you guys. You're the best.
2: Oh, so nice, was, to to really nice to talk to you It really is right, nice to you. Yeah.
1: Guys. Very lovely. Go back to the other part of your house. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Thank you again, guys. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your day. It's Take been a pleasure. Care. Bye. You too. That was the Brew Podcast, episode 285. Special thanks to our guests, Rooney Mara and Richard Jenkins. At time of release, experience Nightmare Alley in theaters everywhere December 17th. Directed by Guillermo del Toro. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, this is Trevor for the Boo Crew saying, Sweet Screams.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of The Boo Crew Podcast Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo The Boo Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand The Boo Crew is a TSP creation part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye.
2: A Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgustingcom slash
0: podcasts.